0: slash the codex cantina it all helps us in running the show along with commercials guys so thank you so much we're going to do a quick commercial break and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode published on august 4th 2008 in the new yorker clara by roberto bolano let's talk about it today
1: thought that was clara you better
0: clarify (laughs) that for me oh (laughs) all right welcome to the codex cantina where i am una
1: and i am (laughs) Crypto.
0: if you are new around these parts we take a conversational approach to the literature that we read breaking down some stories and maybe bringing out some hidden meanings Let's talk about a very important story as we are celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month and reaching out and reading a little bit more from various cultures. And
1: the version that we read was translated by Chris Andrews, and we will leave links down below where you can listen and read for free.
0: Now, Roberto Bolaño is best known for his sprawling, gigantic, epic 2666, or however you pronounce it, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that seems to be what he's best known for. Today, we are covering one of his short stories. And it's it's gripping. It's aggressive. It's very wandering in terms of where the narrator takes us in this story. But I think it offers us a very unique gaze. And I'm going to walk a very fine line today where if I knew more about this author, my theory would not work today. So let's, let's go into this with the idea of understanding that I'm doing no research into the background. I'm just reading the text and responding to it. One
1: of the things I feel is this story really encapsulates the idea of machismo.
0: Well, we certainly have a whimsical look at obsession, right? And it definitely centers on, I want to talk to you about the male gaze today, which I don't think we've ever talked about on this channel. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that discussion goes. Now, as usual, we will do a quick plot summary and then jump into analysis for this one. So for plot, the narrator recalls the day everything fell apart with the love of his life, 18-year-old Clara, when she moved to southern Spain. She wrote short and terse in her letters to avoid making grammatical errors until one day she came in second for a beauty contest and wrote for the narrator to come visit her. They did date things, and quickly he asked her to move in with him, and she later wrote how she felt intolerable pressure and broke things off with the narrator. Years later, they met up again, caught up. Soon she's married to a local man, and soon she's divorced as the man strikes her, dislocating her jaw. She becomes depressed, but soon meets Luis, her future lover. They never have kids, though, and at age 31, she cheats on Luis with a guy from the office. Her sex life stops at that point in time, and at 33, Luis left her for a coworker. She becomes depressed again. Narrator sleeps with her once more, but soon has to break it off with her. He keeps in touch with her via friends, though, and Clara returns to work. Gets back on her meds, and at 34, she meets Paco. They soon marry and have a kid. When the narrator then meets her in her city, her face looks worn as she's gained weight and he finds that he is no longer really attracted to her. But he also finds out that she has cancer. His calls to her become more frequent until she one day disappears. And I'll just read this last line to finish off this plot summary. The next day, I called Paco. And two days after that, I called again there was still no sign of Clara. The third time I called Paco, he talked about his son and complained about Clara's behavior. Every night, I wonder where she could be, he said. From his voice and the turn the conversation was taking, I could tell that what he needed from me or someone, anyone, was a friend, (laughs) was friendship. But I was in no state to provide him that with that consolation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which i think does a really good job of kind of grabbing the 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 main thrust of the story if you ask me
1: 100% agree it does leave you on that air of this guy is kind of cold i guess i would describe him and by guy you mean term. like the
0: narrator right
1: The the narrator not paco maybe paco too but we don't know enough about him but the, the narrator definitely feels like a uh a, a snake
0: now, well, it's interesting you say snake. There's a couple of religious references, but I didn't have a strong feeling for that one. But what I did have a strong feeling for is you and I have never talked about the male gaze before on this channel. And I think it's one of those terms that is, I think it's understood, but also maybe slightly, maybe not everyone agrees on the meaning. So maybe it's worth defining here real quick for our conversation today. Fair but if you've, if you've ever taken some gender studies you will find that there are some theories out there. There are some uh, studies, research done that shows that some media is written specifically or crafted specifically for male eyes, right? And it's not just books, it's TVs, it's advertising. You know, a lot of times the idea is the, the, the creator of this, this art or this media says, what would be pleasing to a man? And then they create it that way. What would a man want to see? And then the art is created that way. And unfortunately, not always, but what happens sometimes is that women become objectified at that point in time. That they're seen as objects or conquests or things for men to use and dispose of on their journey and their goals. But they're never truly represented in a lot of what people would call male gaze medium moments, if you will.
1: And I feel like this story does that exactly right. Every time the narrator is describing her, it's always one of two ways. He's describing her looks, and a lot of times that's positive until when he feels like he's maybe no longer attracted to her or when he's talking about her He's insulting her because he's putting down something that is not related to her beauty, insulting her intelligence, like how she wrote the letters and used the very short and said, oh, she can't write well, but she won a beauty contest.
0: Now, here's here's my fine line is I don't know enough about Bolaño and his writing. And is this just his writing style? I don't know. Maybe Maybe this doesn't work if you know more. But maybe it was crafted this way, in which case I think it's actually rather genius if he intended this. Because to me, this story read very clearly of using male gaze to critique male gaze is the way that I took this piece.
1: When I read this, I would use this as, I guess, a negative reinforcement if I had a son and we were learning of how to treat women, you maybe use this as, all right, see what he did there? You don't ever do that. That's not how you should view people. That's not how you should treat people. That's not how you should interact with people. I mean, every time he goes to this lady, the the narrator seems like he wants something from her, and it's always something that is, you know, based around her physical appearance. Right.
0: And we have quotes like where he says, my response, which filled three double-sided pages, was an extravagant pan to her calm beauty. The sweetness of her eyes, the perfection of her figure, etc. The letter was a triumph of bad taste. And when I had finished it, I wondered whether or not I should send it. But in the end, I did. <laughs> and <that's, laughs> it's, that is some of the humor of this piece is the narrator has irreverence to anyone else's and particularly her feelings. It's all about him. Right, And what he cares about is her calm beauty, the sweetness of her eyes, the perfection of her figure, all describing these visual facts about her and not actually what's on the inside of her.
1: When you also read this, did you feel like that maybe it was written in a style to show a little bit that the narrator himself is something that he is making fun of her for you know sometimes in life people will make fun of someone else because it's their own insecurities I feel like a little bit of that that comes out in the writing of style of how he did it just like that that abrupt end to this sentence shows that he doesn't know how to express himself very well either and so he's almost taking out his own personal frustrations of his own inadequacies of intelligence on Clara and I thought that was kind of I, I don't know I kind of picked up on that a little bit as this story felt very like rushed in a way that the narrator's trying to get his point across.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, let's pretend one of your exes is getting married. I mean, sure. Okay. It's an ex. We broke up and there's lots of different ways to, to view it. But there are some situations, some people that are kind of like, well, I hope her, I hope it sucks. Like, like, like you kind of wish, you kind of wish it doesn't go great in a sense, right? Like you'll never have it as good as me. You're, you're building yourself up. And, you know, and he had those comments where he says, what I do find funny is her wedding night. She'd had an operation for hemorrhoids the day before, so I guess she was still groggy, or maybe not. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> he's kind of like hoping, like like, like you, you were saying, he's hoping things are worse for her. He's hoping that, because I think he wants to be the love of her life in the same way that he's got some obsession with her. I don't want to say it's the love of his life. There's, there's infatuation, there's attraction here. But it, it, you know she turned him down right she's the one that broke up with him so he's still kind of clinging around a little bit and still kind of wishing like like he's the main point of view until eventually he gets to see her and her beauty fails her as as everyone's beauty does as you get older but then all of a sudden boom there goes his attraction when she doesn't have her one thing that he was attracted to her her beauty all of a sudden he doesn't want her that way anymore but he still hangs around her because he's got like that lifelong draw uh his missed shot if you will
1: yeah one thing that I found interesting was that the whole story is revolving around the narrator. That's who we've really been talking about, right? And the narrator of how he feels about Clara. And the story is literally called Clara, and it's really not about her. It's about introspection of him. And he is mm-hmm. portraying this poor lady as a bimbo, really, uh, for a modern term. And I really think it's the one that got away and he is bitter about this, you know, and his heart is hardened to the point of that any negative thing that he can find in this lady's life is going to bring him sight of joy that I, I'm okay that I didn't get her in the end, which is kind of, you know, disheartening and saddening. But also, of how does he know all this, you know, super intricate details of this poor lady's life? It's almost like he's a stalker. It's like, bro, time to move on. <laughs> no, like you're in your 30s. Time to grow up. <laughs>
0: He's trying to be irreverent about it, but he's totally the guy like that would have been opening up her Facebook page every, you know, day to see what she was up to and such. Oh,
1: he's definitely stalking her Instagram for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but here here's the thing for me is the reason why I don't just dismiss this of when I'm looking at the writing, I'm like, okay, could he be stuck, you know, could Bolaño be stuck in his own mire of male gaze or is this using male gaze as cri- criticism of it? And I think it's this line that makes me feel that it's criticism of it. But take your own interpretation from this. But it's about Clara, and we hear the quote, She talked about herself in the third person. In fact, she once told me that there were three Claras in her soul. A little girl, an old crone enslaved by her family, and a young woman, the real Clara, who wanted to get out of that city forever. Who wanted to paint and take photos and travel and live. And to me, this is really important for multiple reasons, right? I think anyone can relate to that idea of the person who I am isn't who I was 20 years ago, right? Like, that's one way to take this statement. Another way to take this statement is the pressure society put on us, right? The things I need to do as a 20-year-old are not the same pressures I experience now as a 40-year-old who's married and has kids, right? Right? And I think we can see these different personas being put on us because of society. And here you see the way she's enslaved by her family. As a young woman, the one when she was carefree and had men vying for her attention and such, you could see that they say, oh, well, that was the real Claro. And I think sometimes when we have so much time that's, uh, where, where society tells us what we need to be, sometimes we have these... I, like. Um, moments of disconnect discord in our brains where there's who we need to be to fit in for society and our role and then there's who we want to be too and sometimes we can kind of relate to who's the real me who's the real una is it the guy that was running around 20 is it the one that's teaching his son to play basketball like it's this this conflict that we have internally of the role we have to fulfill and the role that we want to be i guess in a sense too
1: i also felt that it was more him i I don't think this is his writing style I, i also felt that it was more him portraying this you know in a negative light of that as young men we need to grow up and be better we need to do better and that sometimes as young men we fantasize about this ideal of what society has taught us of what is the perfect woman and clara is the ideal for him And as she grows into a real person, and it is not just some teenager, he finally realizes that, and maybe that's why he's so bitter in the story. And I think that quote really does show that the true meaning of this is a good one in the story. At least that's how I hope anyway. If this is really how he felt, uh, oof, that's, um, you know. I think
0: you're on to something there, because to back up some of the things that you're saying is, is this all feeding into his, his ego? Is this all part of something to make him feel better about, you know, his re- you know, her choice to reject him earlier? And you have that quote where they say, soon after that, I left her. But this time I decided to call her every so often and stay in touch. So one, he's making a decision. He, that, that's his one semblance of control. Well, well, this time I'm deciding to call her, right? And stay in touch with her, one of her friends who could fill me in. If only now and then. And that's how I came to know a few things It might have been easier not to know. Stories that did nothing for my peace of mind. The kind of news an egoist should always take care to avoid. So how do we interpret this line, right? He's trying to stay at a distance because when he gets too close and he learns some information, it hurts him. The type of information the egoist should know. Doesn't that back up some of your your theories that you were just talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean introspection, right, of that he has three and the, I mean it, it's kind of the idea of the id, the ego and the superego and these same things are a mirror, she is a mirror to him and she you know it'd be really interesting to have maybe a female author write this the reverse image from Clara's perspective of how maybe she felt about the narrator the whole time as well mm. and if it was the same, that would yeah, be, be really be, cool. That'd be that'd give, be give really us a lot of insight yeah. to this. Yeah. It's kind
0: of it's kind of like that whole um remember we read that a once perfect day for banana fish and a perfect day for banana fish by J.D. Salinger and Miko Kawakami. The continuation. Yeah. Yeah, Where where they wrote it from like a different perspective and years later, how they felt that that this would be a cool story for that. Now, the last thing I wanted to kind of bring up is, so let's pretend that this is, this is allegory, that this is a representation of, you know, the male gaze. And let's pretend that we're looking at this from the perspective that in art under male gaze, the woman doesn't matter. That, that It's all about how the man's going to react to this. I'm trying to sell something. I'm trying to get someone to buy movie tickets. I'm trying to sell, buy someone to have, or have <laughs> someone buy my book, right? What does it mean that Clara just disappeared at the end?
1: I think that's selling out. I think that that is when he lost truly who he was. I think it might be the representation of his soul if we think of Of that we're always looking for somebody. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's that makes us one of the things different than the animals is our relationships and the connection we have with one another. And when you lose that very important relationship, maybe that first love, I think that breaks you in a little – I think it breaks you a little bit in certain ways. And I think that's what happened to the narrator here. And irrevocable damage has been done to him.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot more to talk about with this story, too, I feel like. Like, we didn't really talk about the rats. Like, you notice how rats kept coming up every time she felt bad. Like, was that manifestations of, like, the emotional trauma she was going through that no one else got to see, but that's how, like, you know, she saw the world, in a sense? There's there's a lot to this story that um for how irreverent and how blasé this character just feels about things, there's a lot of just subtle things that I, I can't help but be like, wow, I think I think Bolaño's... I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a genius. I, I, I'm Not 100% sure just based on this story, but I'm going to give him credit that I think this is actually quite brilliant writing from all the little nuances to the story for what is kind of quick throwaway lines.
1: The abruptness of it is what always hit me of, hey, we got coffee, end sentence. Or the rats and just the way that it felt very choppy, but like it was on purpose, like somebody was thinking about something and they were distracted and that's a lot of times how I personally feel sometimes when I'm thinking about things as, as I move through my life and my life becomes more chaotic as a young man, a middle-aged man, you know, getting to be an older man. I, I do feel that that sense of almost kinship with the narrator of that's how sometimes we look at things. It is I genius think- for
0: sure. Are you telling me that there's multiple cryptos, an old one <laughs> enslaved to a YouTube channel, a younger one?
1: <laughs> no, there's no younger one anymore. He is, he is long and gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, guys, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. We're going to leave a Bolaño playlist down below because we've got to read more from this author. Let's move into our subjective wrap up and ratings, which mean nothing. Right. Crypto, how'd this one hit you? <laughs> For such a
1: short piece, it was very interesting how I got so emotionally attached and then a little bit angry. And then I had my own self-inner monologue about my first kind of thoughts of relationships. Um, And that brings out a lot of emotions. And I think that that is always telling of a piece when it can bring out emotions in you and you can see yourself in it a little bit. And think, wow, was I kind of a jerk like that guy? Because I felt like the narrator's kind of a jerk sometimes. And makes you want to be a better person. And that's always huge for me, as well as comedy. Um, some comedy here. I don't think it was intentional. But with that, I'm going to give it a solid eight.
0: Out of, out of curiosity, how long was it before you you looked at this? And instead of being like, wow, that guy's chauvinistic, to being like, oh, I think Bolaño wants me to know that he's chauvinistic for a point. Like, When did that happen for you when you were reading the story out of curiosity?
1: When I think I realized that she might have died and that he didn't – he tried to pretend like he didn't care – like, he was bigger than that. He was over her. Oh, well, she's had all these other relationships, and she lost her looks, and she has a kid, and she died of cancer, and I'm cool with it. It's fine. And I feel like he's he's putting on some bravado there, and that it really, deep down, broke him. That, that's when I feel like I... It was the very end. The very end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard for me to rate this one, because I was the same way, where it wasn't till the end, and that's when it felt like a magic trick. You know what I mean? To... To go back in time and reconfigure everything I thought about this story, th- there's there's a lot of power in that. And at the same time, the first time I was reading through, I was like, well, I don't know. How am I supposed to take this one? It wasn't like the most best story I've ever read, but it's humorous. It was great. And I think when that magic track like trick happened and I went back and reread it, I was like, yeah, this, this story is really good. Like, and, and I think that says something when you can have multiple rounds with a story and and really get into it so i'll i'll go with an 8.5 out of 10 for this one highly recommend it definitely check it out more from this author as we post videos every monday and thursday as i one up crypto every single time (laughs) this is una hit that subscribe button we'll see you guys peace out Peace.